Welcome to episode 25, Stephen White from Scotland. This is the Straight Up Gay Podcast. Welcome to the show. Today is July 23rd, 2017. I am your host, Major, and this is episode 25 of the Straight Up Gay Podcast. As always, this show is free of cursing, but we may have conversations about human sexuality and topics related to sex and gender that may result in awkward questions from young children. If you're not prepared to answer those questions, turn back now. And before we get started, as usual, you can follow the show and rate us on Facebook.com slash Straight Up Gay Podcast. Go to Twitter and talk with me on Twitter at SUG Podcast. If you want to listen to the show or share it with your friends, it's available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio. And new to the show, I just released a last episode, you can tip me. If you would like to tip your host, uh, you can go to my webpage, www.straightupgaypodcast.com. Go to the tip jar tab at the top and just go in there. You can leave a, a Pinecast tip or a PayPal tip. And uh, either way, you can support the show. But most of all, even if you can't financially support the show, I would definitely appreciate your ratings on iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher. And just give us a thumbs up or a five star or whatever it is that you feel is appropriate for the show. And um, if you guys can find the time to do that, uh, it would be great. But let's get on with the show. Today, my guest is the fabulous Mr. Gay Scotland. Uh, his name is Stephen. We're just going to learn all about him and what it's like to be Mr. Gay Scotland. So welcome to the show, Steve. How you doing? Hi there. Yeah, I'm delighted to be here today and be speaking to you. So yeah, no, it's great. Thank you. Is it okay if I call you Steve or is it is Mr. Yeah, uh, Mr. Steve Gay Scotland? Steven, Mr. Scotland, fine. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go with Steve. Okay. Let's go with that. That's probably easier. Okay. So the very first thing I really want to get to know about is tell me about what is Mr. Gay Scotland. So uh, we got connected through one of my previous guests, Darren from uh, Pride Matters. He said he had done an interview yeah. with you and that you were a really interesting person. He said I should contact you. And so he got us together. And and so when he was like, oh, he's Mr. Gay Scotland, I'm like, oh, wow. OK, so what is that? Right. I have no idea. I, I didn't get a chance to 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 research it at all. So please just tell everyone a little bit about yourself and what Mr. Gay Scotland is. Sure. Well, um, Mr. Gay Scotland is uh, it's, it's a role that is part of the Mr. Gay Europe competition, which is actually taking place in Stockholm next week. Um, and I'm privileged to um, be called Mr. Gay Scotland um, and I'm representing Scotland and uh, in this competition next week. Now, historically, the Mr. Gay insert country name um, has a bit of a beauty contest connotation about it. But they're trying to move away from that in terms of the Mr. Gay Europe competition. It's more about being a role model uh, and for, for people coming from all over Europe, um, coming together to sort of share experiences, talk about LGBT um, issues in their countries and in other parts of Europe and, and the wider world. And just think about how we can progress um, LGBT rights and equality. So it's really trying to move away from the beauty contest element, which, you know, like the Miss Universe or anything like that. So it's got those connotations um, which we're trying to move away from. So um, when I tell people I'm Mr. Gay Scotland, people sometimes think of, you know, won some beauty contest, which, you know, I'm 39 <laughs> years old. I'm kind of like, I've, I've not won a beauty contest, really. It's nothing like that. Um, so it's more about being a, a role model and, you know, it was something that I applied for. I went through a couple of interviews for. Um, yeah. And I, I managed to 
surprisingly get the role of Mr. Gay Scotland. Wow. So, yeah, that that's kind of what it is. So it's not like um, there, there used to be a competition. I think there still is called Mr. Gay UK, where they did go around nightclubs. And, you know, it was like the, the fittest, the hottest guy who who would become Mr. Gay UK. Um, but it's nothing like that. So um, it's a bit of a challenge actually trying to convince people that it's, you know, I haven't been walking around nightclubs in my underpants, um, <laughs> you know, to try and win a competition. Um, but uh, yeah, so, it, you know, it's that's one of the challenges that I've, I'm trying to overcome as well. But um, I'm really looking forward to the competition next week in Stockholm because it seems like there's going to be uh, another 11 guys from all over Europe coming together. And yeah, hopefully we're going to sort of learn a lot from each other and uh, talk about LGBT rights and think about how we can work together and, you know, move things forward because not everyone has it is, um, as good as we do here in, in the UK or parts of the UK anyway. Well, I definitely wouldn't be upset if you squeezed in a plug for the Straight Up Gay podcast when you go to Stockholm and you talk about all the uh, things you've done to help advance the uh, the uh, acceptance of LGBT people. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. More than happy to do that. More than happy to do <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> Tell people to come listen to your episode. You're going to be episode number 25. Yeah, yeah so. no, I will do. I will do. And that's an easy number to remember. So that's good. good. All right. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. So it's not really a beauty competition like we think of like Miss America or Miss Universe or, or anything like that. And it's, yeah. and it's not necessarily like a, a bodybuilding competition either. Like we would think of, um, I, I'm not familiar with the bodybuilding competition, but like here in the U.S., we have like Mr. Universe or something like that, which is kind of like uh, the guys like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and those guys have won. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, it's not like that. I mean, I, I mean, I guess it, it does promote sort of better, healthier body. I think in some ways, from what I can see, because you know it's the first time I've I've taken part in this. But you know, I, you know, I have my own sort of fitness journey that I've been on myself, which we can maybe talk about. Um, and it's something that's really close to my heart. But, um, you know, I think, you know, it promotes a healthy, balanced, you know, fitness lifestyle as well. Um, I know that there is a fitness test, which is part of the competition, which is I'm terrified about because I know nothing of what they're going to make us do. But, you know, it's definitely not a bodybuilding competition. Um, and it's definitely not, a, well, from what I've been told, a, a beauty contest. I think, you know, it it probably helps if you're, you know, fitter and you've got um, a sort of balanced lifestyle because then you're just more confident and you you might be a better role model in that respect. Well, but, and you're going to be Mr. Gay Europe, right? So you don't want to be I hope know, so. unattractive <laughs> at least, right? No, definitely. I mean, I think, you know, that that definitely helps because it, unfortunately, it, the way society is at the moment, it makes people sit up and listen a little bit more sure. or at least look. Um, which, you know, you can grab people's attention. So um, I'm not saying that's right, but, you know, um, it's you know, the world we live in. in the right direction. It is the world we live in. And, you know, I, I know that there are pressures on we put on ourselves to look a certain way and the pressures that we put on each other to look a certain way, which, again, is something that's quite close to my heart. And it's actually one of my campaigns for the Mr. Gay Europe competition. It's all about owning who you are. Um, regardless of your shape or size. So. Well, that's great. I think that's a really good, uh, really good endeavor to uh, uh, embark upon and and start for yourself. And I wish you great success. The one question I do. Oh, have, thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. Yeah. The one question I do have, right? So you said they're kind of moving away from the idea or the connotation that it's a beauty contest. So yeah. the big question now is: Is there a bathing suit competition involved in that? apparently not no good so then they are actually moving away from that yeah 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 i i think there has been in previous years from what i understand but again it's trying to move away from that 
I have been told to bring my swimming trunks, but my <laughs> I'm actually a bit worried that that's actually for the fitness competition. Um, and that maybe I'm really scared that they're going to make me swim around like a Swedish island or something as part of the fitness <laughs> competition. Um, and I'm not a great swimmer, so I could just see myself trying to do the breaststroke while everyone's doing like forward crawl. Right. And me just being left behind. And I, I imagine <laughs> so. the water up there is pretty cold. And so uh, hypothermia is usually counterproductive to swimming. Yeah. Yeah. So um, but I think, yeah, yeah. I, there's not a beauty contest, um, a, a, a swimwear contest as such. So that's nice. good. So outside of the competition, outside of being Mr. Gay Scotland, tell us about yourself um, just on a personal level, you know, like where you come from, what do you, what are the things that you like to do that are your personal hobbies and passions and things like that? Sure. Okay. Um, well, my, I, I come from Scotland. Uh, I come from a small town on the East Coast, um, a beautiful little town. Um, you may have heard of it. It's called St. Andrews. Um, it's actually the home of golf. So I know that um, a lot of the people in the States um, are absolutely love golf. And, you know, I, when I was there, we used to get so many, we still do get so many American visitors, um, which is wonderful. Um, so, yeah, it's a tiny little town on the East Coast. It's about 17,000 people. It's also famous for um, having the oldest university in Scotland and the third oldest university in the UK after Oxford and Cambridge. Um, and that's where Prince William and Kate met. So it's quite famous for that as well. Oh, yeah. Wow. Um, getting some celebrity, yep, yep. getting some celebrity clout yeah. up in there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, weirdly, it's like because of the golf. There's always like celebrities hanging around. It's a bit of a, it's a bit of a strange little bubble of a town. It's not like anywhere else I know in Scotland, just because it is so small and it has quite an international um, outlook, and it's quite cosmopolitan. Um, so yeah, it doesn't feel like anywhere else I, I kind of know, and I think that <laughs> kind of effect because people say I don't generally have a, a very strong Scottish accent. Um, and I think that's from being in the town because it is so international. Um, even in the rest of Scotland, they sometimes call um, St. Andrew's Little England just because it feels very different because of the university. So. Yeah. And I, I can tell that your your accent is a little more mild. I was watching I was on Facebook recently and I saw the there was a video. It was like a joke about how the voice activated uh, elevator doesn't work with Scottish actions, oh, and they're like, yeah, you dig yeah, it under, right. like just they're like just say the floor you want to go to, and they're like eleven, you know, and, and he's like, yeah, 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 and the, and the elevator can't understand what they're saying, so no. Uh, yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, that that's quite funny. I love, I've seen that one myself. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, so yeah. I just whenever yeah. I hear that the the accent of uh, uh, the Scottish accent, I hear I remember that that video. It always cracks me up. But uh, yeah, so that that's kind of. That, that's where I'm from. So I grew up there with um, uh, my mom and dad and I went to the local school. My, my big brother, he, he was there as well. Um, and then um, I went to university in Edinburgh where I went to um, study Scots law because in the UK, Scots law is different to English law. Um, and I studied there for four years, graduated. So in, in, in the UK, we can do law as an undergraduate degree because I think in the States you do it as a, it's more of a postgrad thing, I think. Right, in yeah. a way. Mm -hmm. That's correct. Yeah, so um, I did that, and then I started doing my training. Well, training to become what we call here a solicitor, which because um, uh, in in the states I think you've got attorneys which cover all different types of lawyers. So I'm I'm not the lawyer that stands up in court generally. But you are a lawyer, right? I am. That that's what I do by trade. Yes, I'm a lawyer. So it took me a few years to get there. 
um, I, I took a, a year off from training to go to drama school and did a postgrad in acting because um, acting and performing has always been one of my big hobbies. So I kind of done uh, law for about five or six years by that point of study. And I was just a bit um, what we say in Scotland, scunnered um, of, of law, which means uh, scunnered means kind of just sick of it. Um, you know, you've just been doing it for too long and just you need to do something else. So I um, yeah, I went off to do acting at a, um, a drama school down here in London. So, yeah. How did you like that? Oh, it was amazing. It was probably the hardest thing I've ever done on a physical, um, emotional and sort of um, mental level, just because I, I you hear these stories about drama school where they kind of pull you apart, your personality apart and try and build you back up. And they did that to us in a very short space of time over this you know, one year course, postgrad course. Um, yeah, I remember when it came to the end of the first term, I thought I was tempted to quit just because it was, it was, you know, it's so personal because, you know, I, it, when you're at law school or university, you can always study more and you can always do more and you can improve that way. But at drama school, it's really about you, you yeah. know, and there's nothing really you can change about that. It's the way you look, it's the way, you know, you tap into your emotions. And, you know, that that's what I find the hardest thing. It was amazing, though. Absolutely. It, it gave me so many skills that I'm so thankful for. You know, you know, I'd still love to do a bit more acting. And I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky that I do get to do it from time to time. And I, I do perform on a regular basis. But well, that's um, good. Yeah. So I'm glad you enjoyed that. And so you, by trade, you, you yeah. know that you're day in and day out. You're a lawyer. What kind of law do you do? Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, I I worked in the city of London. I trained in the city, but I moved very quickly into. I'm, I'm sort of specialising contract and intellectual property and media and marketing. So I uh, I worked in the music industry for a short while, uh, and then so I worked for a music uh, sort of trade association. Um, for the recorded music industry, nice. Which run the which run the Brit Awards, and um, so it's kind of similar to the Grammys in the states. Oh, okay. So I, I worked for the the kind of British equivalent of that, um, and then I what did I do? I actually left law and went into teaching for four years. I don't know if you need this level of detail. But, no, I mean whatever <laughs> I taught, you're willing to I, share. I, uh, That's really interesting too. So you became a teacher as well. Yeah, I taught law for four years and, you know, that was really great as well. It gave me so many skills and, you know, which I could pull on my acting and my performing because you're standing up and explaining, you're speaking to people, um, you're trying to talk to people about things that they don't understand and trying to convince them that something's a certain way and, you know, trying to explain law to people who aren't lawyers, you know, which uh, at the end of that, I think I became a much better lawyer. And after that, I moved into the uh, magazine publishing industry as a lawyer. Wow. Um, and then uh, last year, I moved to uh, <laughs> the fashion business. Um, so the fashion Man. industry. So I worked for a big, um, a big online fashion retailer. They should um, call you Mr. Who, Renaissance yeah. Man. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I guess so. I do quite like yeah, changing things up. Um, I think life's a big adventure. I'm not a teacher or anything, but I have I have done you know some teaching like uh, unprofessionally, yeah. like giving you know I'm in the military and and when I was in the Marines they called giving them a, a hip pocket class, which is kind of just off the cuff. You kind of teach about something that you know about, kind of thing. And ah uh, yeah yeah. And I'm, I was in IT for eight years, and so I always would teach people things about their computers that they weren't really aware of. And one of the favorite things I like about teaching 
is um, what I call the light bulb moment where somebody doesn't quite understand something and you're explaining it to them and they're just not getting it. And then you kind of keep trying to explain it in different ways. And then you see their face light up and it's like a light bulb goes on over their head and they're just like, oh, it makes sense now. And like that look on their face, I think that's the best part of teaching. I love that part. It's really good. No, absolutely. And what, what's really great is because I work, um, work as a lawyer for this company, you know, I have to do training, you know, and explain um, sort of legal concepts or not even legal, just some, some commercial concepts to people. Um, and yeah, no, I, I still get that buzz from um, training. So no, I'm quite lucky I get to marry a lot of the things that I do. Um, so yeah, no, that that's kind of my, my day job. Um, but um, I guess my big hobby, which almost feels like another job, is that I I sing with the London Gay Men's Chorus, um, oh, which wow. I'm so Jeez. lucky to do. Yeah, yeah. So um, we're the biggest all-male choir in Europe. So I think there's over 200 of us. It's hard to get all 200 of us on stage. So generally, when we do big shows, there's about 180 of us, I think, on stage. Um, so I've done that for the last seven years. Um, but I'm really lucky that I also get to sing with the small group. Um, so we're more uh, a separately auditioned group called the Ensemble. Um, and I've sung with them since the beginning as well. And there's 16 of us, or there's 18 of us now, actually. Um, and we kind of do a lot of the corporate or charity events. So we're kind of the um, fast response unit. We kind of like yeah, to think. They, so if, you, if somebody, you can be if somebody asked needs on a, short notice, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So we've got a, a different catalog of music that we can just, you know, sing at weddings. So I was singing at a wedding last weekend um, in Mayfair here in London. So, yeah, no, it's it's. I'm so lucky to be able to do that because we get to campaign for LGBT rights and equality and sing. And it's a great community of people. And it's just a wonderful thing. So I'm I'm so privileged to be part of that. Wow. So, OK, so you act, you're a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you sing. Yes. <laughs> do, do you dance? Oh, do you know? because you would be like a quadruple threat guy right because like normally the triple threat's like singing acting dancing right but then if you do lawyer on top of that you're like a quadruple threat guy so are you are you a professional dancer i'm I'm gonna let you down on this one unfortunately i'm so sorry i'm not a very well you know i don't think i'm a bad dancer but in my first year in the chorus i won the worst dancer award (laughs) i think i've been in the chorus about four months by this point and Bear in mind, there are like 180 people, you know, that could have won this award, but they gave it to me. But I have to say, I also won Rear of the Year award that year. So it kind of balances out. Is that nicest butt? Yeah, yeah. Nicest butt. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I was just like, you know what? I'll take that. I'll I'll be the worst dancer. So (laughs) uh, here's something that I can tell you that I'm the worst at so we can share about what we're the worst at. Sure. uh, (laughs) We were talking about golf earlier at St. Andrews there. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, when I was in the military, or I'm still in the military, but back when I first started in the military, uh, I was stationed in North Carolina, and we did a, a golf tournament two years in a row. And it was just for the people in the unit. It was just kind of a fun thing. You know, you put in some money, and you can try and win the pot kind of thing. I love golf. It's a, it's, it's a lot of fun to play. I'm not, I'm not too fond of watching it on TV, but playing okay, it, yeah. I like it. It's a, it's a great time. I like to get out. And, yeah, and, yeah. You know, but I am awful at golf. Yeah. <laughs> as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, so awful that both years in a row, I got what's called the horses. So I'll have to bleep that out. But I got the horses oh. award for bringing up the rear um, okay. because I scored last place in both tournaments. Oh. 
Oh no, poor you. In the UK, we call that, we, we've got a nicer term for that. We call it the wooden spoon. Oh, okay. You win the wooden spoon. Yeah, well, yeah. I definitely got the wooden spoon two years in a row. Yeah. So I, am, I, I like to play, but whenever I play, I never get invited back because oh. I just do horrible. So when my friends are like, hey, oh. do you play golf? And I'm like, yeah, sure, I can play. And then I go play with them and they're just like, man, you are awful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I've not played in a while just because down here in England and London, it's really expensive to play. But back home in Scotland, um, in St. Andrews, the, the courses, the beautiful courses, and they're all actually owned by the town. So they were free to play when, when I was very young. And they're very, you know, you don't have to pay very much to play on them if, you, if you're a local up there. Um, um, and so, you know, we used to, I used to play all the time. I wasn't particularly good at it, but we used to do it like for PE at school. So for gym class, we'd get to go and play golf and stuff. It was bizarre, just, you know. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I would like to play more, but I don't get a chance. Well, so. I can't think of a better Mr. Gay Europe, a guy that participates in the gay men's chorus. He um, plays golf. He's a singer. He's a lawyer. He's an actor. I mean, I just, uh, of all the ways that you can participate in the LGBT community, I can't think of anyone better suited to Aww. be. So for those of you listening uh, out there, if, if you're on the board to judge Mr gay europe please vote for mr <laughs> stephen white he i can't think of a better oh, person bless you. thank you people can actually vote is would it be a wrong time to plug this can i tell people uh well we could, i'll could... tell you what go ahead and plug it now and then we'll plug it again yeah. just before we end the show so okay. go ahead and plug it brilliant now. because part of the competition there is a public vote so you can go to www.mrgayeurope.com forward slash vote and then you'll see all the delegates there and if you want to hit me I'm Scotland uh, we've now got the Scottish flag up there the saltire so if you, you want to hit that and then just click vote at the bottom and you can do that every day until the 4th of August is that um, um, yeah, is so, that open now? it is open it opened last Monday so oh, I okay. need all the votes I could get good well <laughs> then I'll definitely have to edit this show quickly so that I can get it out you said until the 4th yeah, of August yeah please do yeah yeah, okay. yeah. so we've got we've got two weeks but any any votes would be much appreciated. Yeah, I'll do my best to get this show out as quickly as possible so that we can get oh, people to you. vote for you. So yeah, so Cheers. but now let's move on. Let's learn a little bit more about you specifically and about how you came about to be, you know, understanding yourself as a gay man. And yeah, to, to do yeah, that, absolutely. I always like to start from the beginning. So the earliest sure. experience that you can recall that you realized you liked or you were sexually attracted to males. When was that? Like, how old were you and when did that happen? Tell us about it. I mean, looking back, I think I've always known. I didn't understand it because I didn't know it existed. So I think for me, when I look back and I think about it, there was, uh, you must have the, did you have the TV show He-Man in the States? Probably we did, yeah, States. no, we, had, we yeah, did have so, He-Man. Although, yeah, so I wait, was, no, hold on, before yeah. we move on, before we move on, the He-Man in Scotland, did he have a Scottish accent? No, 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 okay. no, Because I was like, I well, what he had. I'm sure. Yeah, we had He-Man here, <laughs> yeah. but he didn't have an accent. He just sounded like me, right? It sounded like anyone who lives yeah, here, but yeah, I didn't yeah, know yeah, if they yeah, would yeah, kind yeah. of change it up for people in Scotland or not. So that, I just No, 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 no. It, it was, he, I think he had an American accent when I think about it now. Um, yeah, so it was He-Man. Um, and I remember really wanting to be his best friend or his brother or something i just wanted to be close to him in some way i know he's a cartoon character and it sounds absolutely ridiculous but i i just knew i had this feeling and then we also had a, a, a tv show here called robin of sherwood um which was based on Ro robin hood um and i had the same feeling about the guy that was playing robin hood and how, um, old, were, actually, how old were you when this was going on about oh, five or six i think i must be yeah yeah about that age 
Um, and Robin of Sherwood was played by actually Jason Connery, so Sean Connery's son. So he had long blonde hair at that time. Um, weirdly, he's just directed a film about golf called Tom Morris based in St. Andrews. Weird aside, but yeah. But yeah, so Jason Connery, I had this big crush on him as well. But again, didn't really understand it. Again, it was, I want to be close to him, but we don't want to be his best friend. I want to be his brother. His, does it, don't want him to be my cousin. Because these were the only kind of male relationships that I understood to exist. You know, I didn't know that guys could like other guys. When I was about eight, I think we've got a TV soap opera here called um, EastEnders. And there was a there was a gay character in that that TV show. And I remember he was uh, the he had the first gay kiss, I think, on British TV. And I remember at that point going, ah, yes. So I, w- I must have been about eight at that point. And it kind of all started to make sense. And I thought, oh, okay, that's what these feelings are, you know. But I didn't tell anyone because I, I, I kind of knew that it was all very much frowned upon. How do you think I, you I remember, picked up on it? Um, I think there was stuff to do with Boy George and the, the AIDS crisis. Oh, okay. Um, and Kenny Everett, there was a, a comedian here called Kenny Everett. I can't remember when he died. Um, but then, you know, it was around that time and Freddie Mercury was ill. And, you know, this is maybe getting closer towards my teens, but just... The the Thatcher government in the in the eighties I think was here 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 in the UK was uh, they put in place a, a a law called Section Twenty Eight which meant that you couldn't promote homosexuality in schools. Right. Yeah. Uh, one of my previous families. guests mentioned that. Uh, it may yeah. actually I think it may have been Darren. Darren was the one who told me. Yeah. About no. That. I think I think it was. I think it was because it's it's such a huge part of um, gay culture here here in the UK because it it really. You know, although, you know, being gay had been decriminalized, you know, like 50 years ago now in England and Wales, but it was only in 1980 in Scotland that it was actually decriminalized. You know, by saying that you couldn't promote homosexuality, nobody really understood. There were no guidelines around what that meant. So it meant that nobody talked about it and that being gay was still dirty, particularly with the AIDS crisis. You know, it was all bound together in this, you know, dirty secret homosexuals and, and it, it was, was considered really criminal good... right i mean it was considered criminal so like you would be akin to a drug dealer or you know a thief yeah or i mean a it, car, it, it, a car yeah. owner, you know yeah i mean it had stopped being criminal as i say um by 1980 in scotland um but it was still very much frowned upon and the, the tabloid press you know you know when there was the gay kiss in eastenders i think the headline they said was east benders so here in the uk a bender is a, another word for a gay person a, a derogatory term for that you know and it's just that kind of growing up in that environment where you know um it was so negative and to be gay was you know something that was dirty which was secret you know that that has an impact on, on you so i i knew that i couldn't talk to anybody about it um and so i kind of <laughs> In some ways, I'm quite a strong person. I just kind of got on with things um, and and didn't really deal with it um, as such. Um, I'm probably quite good at burying things. I'm not sure how healthy that is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, so that that was that was up until that point. And then I guess when I hit puberty, I guess I started maybe experimenting a little bit. So that was when, um, yeah, I. Well, right. I mean, so you hit puberty, you become a, a sexual human being, right? You start, you start becoming sexually attracted to other people. Your, horm- yeah, your yeah. hormones are yeah. raging, right? Like that's absolutely. So yeah. for anyone, I mean, a straight or a gay person, you're going to start exploring your sexuality, right? So I mean, there's totally. nothing unusual about that in any way. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
so I ended up, you know, having a crush on a guy at school who was a straight guy. Um, but he was, he was, you know, he was my best friend at the time. And this is when I was about 13 or 14. Um, and actually on my 14th birthday, he was over and he gave me a present and stuff. But he found my diary, which was a lockable diary. Now, I don't know many 13-year-old boys who had lockable diaries. <laughs> so I'm not sure <laughs> if that says something already. Um, but he found it and he he broke into it and he read that. Oh, um, man. That I, yeah, that I, I, I was in love with him. Um um, and it was a terrifying moment because my parents were downstairs. So this is kind of my first real coming out moment, I guess. Yeah. So wow, I'm 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 on I'm on the edge of my seat. Like I can't wait to yeah, hear his reaction. Yeah. Because yeah, because he actually he ran into the bathroom with it and locked the door. So I I couldn't even see his reaction. You know, I was like, oh my goodness, what yeah, is I bet going you to happen? To die, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. And I was like, I knew I was I was going on holiday with my parents the next day. We were going away for a week, so I was like. I need to deal with all of this now before he before I go, because if I come back and he's told everybody, you know, what's going to happen or does he tell my parents? I remember just all these emotions running through my head. Oh, man, um, I'm on the edge of my seat. So tell me, tell me. Yeah, tell me. yeah. Do do? But he came out and he was just lovely. It didn't matter. Um, oh, man, that's so great. Yeah. And it, it was so, you know, I was absolutely terrified. And, you know, to this day, I, I don't know if he told anybody, but I don't think he did because, you know, we we remain friends. We did grow apart as friends do but um he dealt with it in a really kind of mature way for somebody his age you know he was the same age as me how old were um, you again you know was 14 it i was it was my four yeah it was my 14th it was the day of my 14th birthday yeah, oh yeah right um, okay yeah yeah so it kind of sticks in my mind because of that wow that that could have gone horribly wrong it right? could I have gone really horribly wrong absolutely horribly wrong i could i could um, feel the anxiety in myself like waiting for his reaction so i can't even yeah, imagine yeah, living yeah, that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah so I mean, I was still quite scared when I went on holiday, I remember, because I thought, you know, hope, hopefully he won't tell anyone. And he, you know, it was absolutely fine when I came back. I did take the diary on holiday and bin it in Cyprus just so that nobody could trace it. You know, <laughs> it was like, um, but yeah, that, that was that was quite a scary moment. And and maybe not the healthiest in some ways of, of coming out moments because it was so kind of like emotional. I mean, it's always emotional coming out, I guess. But um. There was a lot of drama behind that, and there's always a bit. I can always find myself in dramatic situations. Maybe I do it to myself. I'm not quite sure, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that that was quite interesting. But so I didn't really come out to anybody else at that point. Um, maybe there was another friend at school who was maybe a friend with benefits. But let's leave that there. Um, yeah, and so that's what I was going to ask about next. So like the uh, uh, your first relationship per se was that around the same age? And I don't want you don't have to give the details. I understand if it's it's a private moment for you or whatever. But no, no, no. I'm just I mean, curious was, about the was... timeline about when you kind of engaged in your first relationship. Um, I, I I wouldn't say relationship, but I was definitely experimenting around that same age. Okay. Um, with with guys. Um, okay. With I, God, that makes me sound like. Yeah. With one guy. Yeah. <laughs> with one guy. Was like, <laughs> with a guy, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You weren't horned like... about the school, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. absolutely. So uh, there was, uh, yeah, there was definitely a friend who um, definitely, we helped each other, let's just say. Good, yeah. Um, okay. and, but, you know, we were both very scared. We really didn't talk about being gay. Um, it was more of a physical thing. It wasn't really until I was 18 that I had my next sort of big moment, I guess. Um, up until that age, I ended up 
dating girls. Um, oh God, that makes me, I didn't mean to say it in such guys. Oh my God, girls. No, but it was kind of the moment of, you know, I, I did just because I thought, you know, I was, you know, a horny teenager. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> um, well, and you could, I mean, you still, you have to know, right? Because you could be yeah, just yeah, as well bisexual, totally. right? You could be totally, attracted to totally. guys and girls. And so. Yeah, you know, I, I love people, you know, I, I love being with people and, you know, I'd have these great girlfriends with great relationships um, and we'd have such a giggle. But, you know, at the end of the day, I realized that I didn't want anything physical with them. Um, but, you know, I, I, I tried um, and yeah, it just wasn't right for me. Um, I'm not sure if that helped my parents when it came to coming out because i think they'd seen me have these you know great beautiful girlfriends you know and lovely um yeah it kind of puts them in denial right like they they yeah, well you had yeah, girlfriends how can you be bit. gay kind of thing right yeah yeah but i guess my my other big come coming out moment was around the age of 14 as well i was I, I actually i was in my first um professional play um the local theater um the artistic director, um, a wonderful lady called Maggie Kinloch, um, she asked me to, because I'd been involved in the youth theatre, um, to be in uh, a play for three and a half weeks um, over the summer. I don't know if you know the film On Golden Pond. Uh, it was a. I have heard of it. Uh, yeah, not, yeah. I don't think um, I've ever watched it, but I, I yeah, do know what. Uh, the film's got Jane it. Fonda and Henry Fonda in it. It's a lovely film. Um, Catherine Hepburn's in it, I think, too. Uh, but anyway, we, we did the play version of it. Um, but actually, so Maggie and her girlfriend at the time, Julie, who played my mother, um, they were in a relationship together. And also the guy, Stephen, who played my father in the play, um, he was gay. So it was the first time I'd spent, you know, the rehearsal process um, and the acting process. You, you become this amazing little family. Um, and to be around, you know, gay people for the first time, that was kind of when I realized I said to myself, I'm going to be OK because, you know, <laughs> These people were normal as such, the wrong words, but they were just everyday people, you know, um, getting on, having relationships, having lives. And, you know, it was the first time that I'd sort of seen that and kind of realized that actually it is OK to be gay. And it was a, an amazing moment for me because I, I kind of realized that I everything would be OK. I may need to bide my time, um, but it, but it would be good. That really helped me through my teens, you know, having having that moment. And so that was that was just a few months after the the moment with the diary actually so oh, okay um yeah yeah so was... uh the the thing i want to know now because we did touch mm. on your on your parents a little bit so and you mm. said that it was kind of tough coming out to your parents because you had girlfriends yeah. so they maybe were kind of in denial or they didn't quite believe yeah. you or they thought it was a face so um did coming out to your parents was that a, a good experience or is that something you want to share with us yeah, no, I don't mind sharing it. I mean, it was a, it was it was hard, but you know, I have to say now, my parents and I have the best relationship. I, you know, I'm I'm really looking forward to going on holiday with them at the end of August. We're going to Mallorca together. We do that every year. My mum's just been down visiting, so you know, you said I New York. You guys are going best, to? Oh no, Mallorca, um, Mallorca. The it's an island in the uh, Mediterranean, just off oh, Spain. Oh, okay. I thought you said yeah, New York. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, okay. no, no. I think I'm a little bunged up actually. I've got a bit of hay fever, so. Um, uh, it's probably just me being a bit nasally, I'm afraid. Sorry. Um, uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, I have a wonderful relationship with them now. And I think that's because we've got to the stage where, you know, my parents know me now up until, you know, I came out. And even after that, there was 
so much secrecy that, you know, if you've got all these secrets, you can't have a proper relationship with somebody because there's a massive part of you that is lying. Even if it's not outwardly lying, you're just not telling the truth or being truthful. Um, and so I think coming out was the best thing that's ever happened, you know, for our relationship because they they know me now. You know, would they want me to be straight? Well, maybe because it might make my life easier. And I think that was the fear that came with it when I came out to them. They, yeah. it, it was on the back end of, you know, the, the AIDS crisis and, you know, they'd been brought up when, you know, uh, it was illegal to be gay. You know, they were always told that gay people would never be happy they would never find love they'd die lonely and um, they'd get aids and they would die that's kind of what people were told about being gay and that you know so they were, i think they were really scared for me so when i came out to them they did tell me that they loved me but i you know i think that's what they were really frightened of um and also not maybe having grandchildren through me um which you know might still happen you know, never yeah, say never. Sure. Right. Well, you and know, as, and as so, a parent, like my son, I have a 16 year old son and he's gay as well. And when he came out yeah. to us, um, I wasn't like, I tried to stress to people, I wasn't disappointed. I was more concerned, um, because I knew it wasn't, you know, as acceptable as it should be. And, and people yeah. don't necessarily approve of it and, and people yeah. can definitely be hostile about it. And so that and was really be. my concern. Yeah. My, like he's yeah. experienced bullying, um, being excluded from groups, not being included in things. So, um, yeah. just, just knowing that, you know, like you said, they, I'm you sure they weren't excited about it, but they definitely, I'm sure they all see a flash. Like most parents do like, Oh man, now he has all of this trouble that he's going to have to deal with Yeah, that if he yeah. was straight, he wouldn't have to deal with, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, unfortunately we still live in a society where there are those pressures, where there is that hostility and, you know, I think we're moving in the right direction, but we've got so much work still to do. And that's why it's great doing podcasts like this to hopefully, uh, you know, I, I don't know who would listen to it. You're probably probably preaching to an audience who already believes what we say. But, um, you know, I, I we still have to have the discussion. We can't stop talking about it. Sure, yeah. And we can't just pretend that everything because law has changed doesn't mean that hearts and minds have changed. Sometimes, you know, the law can be a, it changed in advance of social opinion, if that makes sense. Yeah, no. And so definitely. even though we've got all these rights and equality, social opinion hasn't caught up. I live in London now, and you know we kind of take things for granted here sometimes. Although some, you know, there's some horrific stories that happen, but you know it's definitely not the same when you go to other cities or other regions of the UK. Um, I mean, some places it is amazing, but you know I, I know that it's still very hard to to be gay in certain parts of the UK. So, well, the good thing um, about it though is, is, you know, we call it, or I call it the court of public opinion, right? So mm -hmm. uh, the court of public opinion usually is, is slower, like you said, than the law. Um, it usually takes, it takes, it usually takes a few advanced groups of people to kind of push the law into the right direction. And then Absolutely. slowly, and then slowly over time, the court of public opinion comes along and goes, oh, okay, gay people aren't so bad. It's not a worry about yeah. AIDS. Right. And so, but the good thing is, is that for example, here in the United States, a lot of gay people, uh, and, or LGBT people are worried about president Trump and, and the rolling back of certain rights. But yeah. that's, that's almost the impossible thing to do is once the public has come to accept something, um, yeah. it's almost impossible to roll that back because they've already dealt with it. They've already come to terms yeah. and accepted it. And so now because we have a person, whether it be Trump or another president or, or a congressman yeah. or whoever, they may try to pass laws, but they're going to face yeah. much more public opposition to that because yeah. 
removing that idea from the hearts and minds of people who have come to terms of, of accepting it, um, yeah. it's almost impossible to roll that back. But once yeah. it gets there, no, that's I, the hard I, part. I hope so. I hope so. I, yeah, no, I do. I, I hope people realize, I mean, when there's so much battle, even just getting equal marriage here in the UK, I mean, it was 2014, we, it, it came into force here. Um, and we sang outside with the chorus because we do a lot of lobbying um, and, and campaigning. So we sang for equal marriage outside the House of Lords when the bill here was going through the Houses of Parliament. Oh, okay. Um, and the House of Lords is kind of like our sec, um, second chamber. Um, so it's an, a, weirdly an unelected group of people who vote on it um, before it goes back to the elected representatives. Um, and we sometimes the, the House of Lords is made up of I guess historically older people or you know and there was a bit of concern that perhaps it wouldn't um it, it wouldn't pass but it did um and we we sang outside and you know we were involved in that process but the conversation that was happening around equal marriage you know that it should just be between a man and a woman and the references to religion just made it all so much harder and you know it was as if the world was going to end if they passed this bit of legislation and the world didn't end. And I think that when people see changes in law and life continues and, you know, there's just actually more happiness in the world, I think, and they'd see that the world doesn't end. I think that helps change public opinion because I think there's so much fear and a sort of misunderstanding because people don't take the time to learn and to read into things. And so that, that kind of fear of kind of breeds that prejudice, that, that that yeah prejudice and and hate and sort of lack of understanding and so i think when we get past that and the law has been changed i think that that's when when progress is made i hopefully. agree i definitely agree there was definitely a lot of that same sentiment here when they were going to when they were going through the uh, idea of uh, marriage equality here in the states and i definitely agree it, it stems from the fear of the unknown, uh, not sure, yeah, not, yeah. not being sure of, of what's going to happen, how it's going to affect the world. Right. And, and people, like you said, make these religious arguments that, um, if we allow gay people to get married and the sanctity of marriage is gone, then the world will fall into chaos. And, you know, they'll be teaching your kids gay math and gay English, yeah. and, you know, and they'll try to make your kids gay in school. Like they just, they, they totally missed the mark on so many ideas. Oh, and so many ideas. It's so frustrating. I can definitely understand. I remember more than a few conversations where I, I re remember specifically a conversation with a friend of mine from the military. We were on Facebook and, and he was all upset that the, um, homosexuality was going to be discussed in their like sex ed class. And it was like for his child in sixth grade. And, and so I engaged him in a conversation. Mm. He's like, they shouldn't be teaching that to sixth graders. And I was just like, well, why not? They're going to be teaching sex to sixth graders. And yeah. And, and he goes, well, but that's not something I want my kids to learn. You know, they should figure that out at home. And I'm like, you're going to teach your kids about gay sex, you know, like, uh, and gay Absolutely. people. Like, and I, he's like, but that's not something that they should be taught about in school. And I'm like, why not? It's a reality of the world. The gay people exist. It's a reality. You should Absolutely. be teaching and, and, and I, preparing your kids for what is out there and what is the reality of the world around them. You shouldn't be sheltering totally. them from information. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And you know, even if their kids aren't gay, but other people in the class might be gay and then understanding what it is to have a, a healthy sexual relationship and how to be safe, you know, that should be taught in schools. Um, and and I, I, you know, big advocate of that. I mean, I was quite impressed by um, the editor of Teen Vogue recently. I don't know if you've been following this. Oh, but he's you been know, um, he's the trans, is he transgender or is he um, oh, gender non-binary? 
I'm not sure actually. I just know that he's been talking. They've had an article about um, anal sex. Yeah, Teen Vogue, right. And there's been a big uproar about it. Yeah, I did hear about um, that. But it's you know for anal sex for for you know straight couples and gay couples. Right. You know, for anyone. About, right. And and it's just having that discussion, and people shouldn't be, you know, scared to have these discussions because it's a fact of life. You know, and to talk to people about how to do it safely and is, you know, I think it's a really courageous and really important thing to do. So I applaud him um, very much so for doing that. I don't I think what I was thinking of was the um, there was like a cover girl model that was a man, but or well was male. But I think he's transgender or something like that. I I forget the details. And that's Ah, okay. uh, That's what I thought you were referring to. Um, Uh, Sorry. No, I I went straight to anal sex. Hope that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's perfectly okay. Okay. I gave the disclaimer in the beginning. So you did give a disclaimer. As long as we don't use foul language, we should be able to talk about sexual topics. So yeah. Okay. Can you tell us, or if you don't mind, like how did you come out to your parents? Like what, what was their reaction? Like how did that go about? Sure. Um, I, uh, again, there was a little bit of drama around it. Um, I, I was actually dating one of my lecturers at university, male lecturers. So, um, well, that's that frowned I, upon in general, isn't it? Well, it, well, it shouldn't have been because I know that one of my other lecturers at university ended up dating and marrying one of his female students. So I was kind of like, well, what's the difference here? Um, but it was frowned upon and our relationship didn't last very long um, at university because of it. And, you know, my exam papers had to be marked separately. There was a bit of drama and I was like, oh, goodness, you know, that, that and that, that was kind of a drama that I didn't need. Um, you know, people, people thought that I was, you know, he was going to be helping me with the course that he was teaching me. And it was just like, I ended up almost failing that class. <laughs> so it was just like, he really didn't help. Um, you know, so it was, unless he helped you from uh, not was, failing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so that, that side, but so there was kind of a, that was a bit of drama around that. And I, I kind of hope we've moved on from that anyway, because, you know, it, it was definitely, there was definitely prejudice there because it was a gay relationship. You know, if it had been a, a male lecturer dating female student, student, it wouldn't have been so bad. Yes, okay, the exam papers may be marked separately, but it, there was definitely an undercurrent of this doesn't feel right. Yeah, okay. Which, you know, which, but this was the late 90s. So this was 1998. Um, and so I, around that time, so I just started dating my lecturer and I thought, well, if I'm dating my lecturer, I probably should tell my parents because they might find out because not that there's a scandal around that, but just because somebody might say, oh, I hear Stephen's dating a guy and it's his lecturer. So there's kind of a, a double whammy there. So I, I went home and uh, yeah, I um, my dad had been at the the football match. Um, he he went the the soccer match um, and I I told my mum and then we waited for my dad to come in and I told him and you know they they told me they loved me but by this point you know I packed a bag and I was ready to leave just in case they threw me out and you know I feel really embarrassed that I did that now because they're not like that. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of tears. There was a lot of, you know, misunderstanding, a lot of questions. It, it was fine. You know, well, well it, it wasn't, it wasn't fine, but it, you know, it, it was done. Um, I, I, you do hear these stories of people saying that the parents always knew. <laughs> I was really hoping for that kind of reaction and it just didn't happen. Although my dad did say that, <clears throat> I remember he said, and it was quite weird because we'd been to the theatre together in Edinburgh the, um, a couple of weeks before and I'd worn, worn a, a fairly 
a, a kind of a shiny shirt. I mean, it was terrible fashion when I think about it, but it was <laughs> 1990s. Um, and he said, oh, you wore that shirt. I should have known. I was just like, oh my God, goodness, it's nothing to do with the shirt. And that was just me having terrible taste. But Yeah, uh, <laughs> terrible taste. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you know, it was it was it was a bit surreal when I think about it. And um, but what happened after that, you know, I I, I went back to university the next day. Um, they told me they loved me. I then told my brother because he'd been away on a skiing holiday, I think. And you know, my brother was so lovely about it. I went through to Glasgow. He was a was he working at that point? He might still be in university. No, I think he was maybe working by that point. But weirdly, my my brother had just started going to church and had kind of found religion. And I remember him saying to me that he wished he could be as honest with me about the religion um, and him finding religion as I'd just been, because he almost felt like he had to come out to people about, you know, having faith, which I found really interesting. Yeah, you know, because people were usually... almost embarrassed to have faith really? these days as well. So, yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, just because we grew up in a not particularly religious house. I mean, I would say we're Church of Scotland by default. You know, I'm, I'm, I wasn't christened um, or baptized or anything like that. Um, but, you know, I, I used to enjoy going to sing carols at church at Christmas, <laughs> you know, and we, you know, uh, that kind of thing. And I brought, brought up believing the Christian story, but I never really considered myself as religious in any way. Um, so, yeah, that, that was a really interesting conversation I had with my brother. Well, yeah, so that's that's kind of contrary to here because we that's almost like the exact opposite because we don't have a national church or religion yeah. per se by default yeah. because the majority of our citizens are Christian, you know, so yeah, a, yeah, a lot yeah. of times they'll consider us a, a Christian nation, but but as far as our government is concerned, we have a secular government and, and people like myself who are atheists um, feel more uncomfortable saying that we're atheists then i feel yeah. people who are religious you know like you don't have to come out and go oh mom dad i'm a christian kind of thing yeah. you know but yeah. there are plenty of stories like of coming out stories is what they call them you know for for atheist kids who stop sure. believing and they tell their parents and their parents kick them out as if you know they came out as gay as well you know so there's oh more, my goodness yeah there's there's tons of podcasts out there where you can hear uh horror stories there's like a there's a, a a website you can go to. It's uh, recoveringfromreligion.com, and uh, they have stories on there where you can hear people. Uh, they're either audio recordings or they're they're transcripts. But it's basically they have a hotline where you can call if you're having trouble, um, you know, coming out to your parents or whatever your your you know issue is with religion, whether it is you know you're dealing with your own loss of faith or or whatever. Yeah. And so, but they have tons of of stories on there where kids were kicked out of their home, you know, at age 14, 15, 16, because they told their parents they were atheists. And so it's completely the opposite here. I think is, is, you, you know, you don't have to come out as oh mom, dad, I'm a Christian or I'm a, uh, I'm a Buddhist or something like that. It's so it's, it's unusual to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I, I guess, I guess after that though, um, I, I, I found it hard to, be gay i'm not sure why that was and, and so i kind of surrounded myself with a lot of straight friends and i kind of almost went back in the closet for a number of years I ended up just focusing on my studies and um i ended up putting on a lot of weight and i think that that kind of didn't help you know i i, I put on quite a few pounds and so i don't know what the the math is but in it was about 20 stone, which is if you do 20 times 14 pounds, that's how many pounds that is. Um, so it was, I was quite heavy, you know, I'm, so I'm about not 230 very tall. pounds, 
roughly? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, it was, you know, I, I was fat, you know, I was, I, I was fat, I was, I was pretty obese in some ways, um, eating too many Domino's pizza. And so I was kind of unhappy and I felt very invisible to the gay community. You know, I moved to London. I, I tried to lose weight and I did, had a little bit of success, um, but I'd put it all back on and then just get heavier um, so I, I kind of felt very unattractive. And so it was easier for just not to be gay. And so I didn't even really talk about it with my parents for a number of years. Um, you know, I went to drama school and maybe wasn't as successful as I would have liked to have been because I was heavy, because it is about how you look. You know, that that was a hard time as well. Um, uh, and then I, I ended up meeting a, a, a guy um, in a club here, which uh, a famous club here called GAY. Um, one Saturday night um, and we had a relationship for about four and a half years we lived together but weirdly neither of us told our parents we just described yourself you know the other as the flatmate um, and I'm not quite sure why we had that level of secrecy um, but I don't think that was healthy for my relationship with my parents or or with um, my partner at the time so um, we ended up breaking up and then um, about a year later I, I met my current boyfriend um, who I have introduced to my parents and, you know, now comes home every Christmas. My parents love him and he's, nice. you know, part of the family. And that's good. You know, it's it, being honest and ha not having secrets. It makes, uh, I don't know, it makes people it makes more a honest. Big difference. And yeah. It makes such a big difference. And I feel so lucky that I've got to this place with my parents, with my partner, with my life and, you yeah. know, and even being Mr. Gay Scotland and, you know, whatever. That, I mean, it vaguely sounds ridiculous when I say it, but about being a role model because I've, I've had experience. I'm now a bit more comfortable in my skin. Um, you know, I can hopefully talk to people about ex my experiences and, you know, it's not always been easy. You know, I'm a, I'm a cisgender male, you know, you know, white guy, middle-class, you know, I don't face half the challenges that so many people out there do. Um, but, you know, hopefully, you know, I'm approachable. People can talk to me and, um, you know, and I'm, hopefully easy to speak to um yeah and hopefully hopefully be a, a role model and that's kind of where i want to get to well i i honestly i mean it, it seems almost like you know, when i first started the show i expected that i would have a lot of negative stories of people coming out to their parents and having horrible experiences there and being gay in school and having horrible experiences there but it seems it seems like you've had your share of, of bad experiences or at least uh times when you were uh stressed out about it and yeah yeah i mean i mean don't don't get me wrong. There were comments in school. You know, people would call me. Um, you know, they'd say uh, "poof," uh, which you know, call me that in in the classroom, and it almost validated or made me understand. Yeah, I am gay, which was a weird <laughs> kind of like, yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> um, but it did. It wasn't nice, but it was like, like, yeah, this makes sense. But yeah. So what's your problem? Try not but, to be hard. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's your problem about it? But I was, I've, I've always been quite a strong character, so I've, you know, I've, I've never kind of shied away, and I've always just try to be successful in what I do um and I'm not sure if that's me just rebelling against that idea that gay people aren't going to be successful are going to be lonely are going to die alone I'm not sure if that's you know me rebelling against that that idea that we should be um hiding and, and you know obviously that idea isn't around anymore but I was brought up in the 80s you know, where that, that was the feeling. Um, and hopefully we've moved away from that. So I'm not sure if it's part of that's just ingrained in me.
so what so if you don't mind me asking i don't i don't want to dwell on the negative too long but what is some of the what is some of the worst kind of negative reactions that you have had growing up as as a gay person like uh, have you ever uh, you, uh, hopefully you've never been assaulted or anything but i imagine you face no, some discrimination I've, I've been assaulted yeah i mean i think one of my first jobs actually was when i was working in the music industry i uh, we were working with um a barrister so that's the type of lawyer that does stand up in court um, and he had a different client. We were having wine one night. Uh, it was actually a, a one lunchtime, which turned into a very long day of drinking wine in this uh, in this central London bar. And one of his other clients turned up um, and the other client, you know, we'd all had quite a lot to drink. But he was he would whisper in my ear how he hated gay people, how he wanted them to die. Oh, my goodness. Um, and yeah, it was a really, really horrible, sinister moment. Because he was doing it so that nobody else could hear it. Yeah. But he, would, oh, he was goodness. trying to scare me. It was it was a really, really horrible moment. Or um, it seemed and, like he was trying to get you to react to make yourself Oh, and bad, I, right? I did yeah. react. I did react. I didn't react very well. I got quite upset. Yeah. Um, and then, oh, you know, I ended, up, I ended up outing him and saying, what are you doing? This is, you know, unacceptable. Um, and he was made to apologize to me. But then he would, when, when nobody else was looking, he would do the same again. I was just like, this, oh, you know, we should not be in this situation. You know, and yeah, I had had a lot to drink, but um, it wasn't, you know, that was a really horrible moment. Other moments that I, I aren't so nice, maybe when me and my boyfriend have been on the tube, so on the underground, the subway here, um, and... You know, I'm I'm not very good with public displays of affection anyway, and I don't think it's because of some in, sort of internalized homophobia. I'm just not very good at holding hands in public. I just I like my own space. <laughs> I don't think you know because <laughs> I, I just I count five every time I, I hold hands with my boyfriend. I'm like, okay, there's your five seconds. Um, <laughs> um, but you know, if we're seen on the tube together, I remember there was one guy who was just staring us out. And he he looked at at us with such hate, it was really quite intimidating. Um, and this again is in London, and it's it, it you know it's it's thankfully I've never had any homophobic violence. I mean I have been assaulted before, but not for being gay, just random things that have happened. Yeah. Um, like getting drunk in a bar or something like that. Well, not not even that. I was when I was at university, I was headbutted walking back from the library one evening, which was just surreal. Um, yeah. Um, so for no reason at all, um, and totally not for being gay. It was just he was. I think the guy who did it was just a bit drunk, and then he staggered off, and I was like, "What just happened?" Um, <laughs> okay. So um, Scotland's not like that, by the way. It's, you know, it's a very lovely place. Please come and visit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I tried to keep people off. Um, yeah. So, but I, you know, I've, I'm quite fortunate that I've not faced any proper abuse. I mean, when we march with the chorus through Pride in London, we're often faced by, um, you know, some chants. Some uh, there's a part of the the parade where like there some used to be protesters. Yeah. Yeah, some protests, but we didn't see them this year, which was really interesting. And um, quite often is is the Christians and our religious groups who are, are protesting. And then I remember when I was up at the Edinburgh Festival, um, I was seeing a gay play up there. And the, it, I don't think it was the Westboro Baptist Church, but it was people that were similar to them. Yeah, so maybe okay. like an offshoot, they were protesting outside. But it's just done in such a kind of barmy way that it's, it's almost laughable because you, even though it's terrifying, it's just so crazy that you just think, how can you be so deluded that you can you can think that way? And where is your love? Where is your compassion? How can you be so 
vile about this. It's, exactly. It's, you know, for people who believe in Jesus and his teachings and, and that Jesus loved everyone and, and all that, you know, that's the big thing that atheists a lot of times will come. Um, that's not the reason why we don't believe in God, but that's definitely our complaint against Christians a lot of the time is that, you know, for people who are supposed to love everyone, you know, you sure do hate the gay people or the trans people a lot, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, one of the things I like to do at the end here before we start to wrap up, we're already at about an hour, so we're going to have to start wrapping up. Oh, gosh, up. really? Yep, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, so um, <laughs> there is, you know, a lot of times there's um, politics or politics or uh, culture or society or, you know, the, the court of public opinion. Um, is there anything over there in Scotland or in the UK that um, worries you about the current state for LGBT people? Um, well, in the UK, I think we're still playing catch up here in certain parts um, in terms of equality. Um, Northern Ireland is a very tricky place. Uh, if you're gay, um, they don't have equal marriage over there. And I think that it's probably because of the historic religious reasons there. It's it's, it's a, a very Catholic. tricky. Well, yeah, there's a Catholic Protestant divide. Um, but the the unionists, the Protestants um, um, and the Catholics just it, I think so much of it is built into religion um and so it, they've they don't have equal marriage there even though we do in the republic of ireland and we've got in the rest of the uk so we need to make changes there um but again it, it it's there's still this big issue about you know even though we've got the law changed um what we do need to do is change hearts and minds and that this court of public opinion because you know people still use gay as a derogatory word the still gay bullying that happens in school. There's a great initiative in Scotland, Thai education, um, who go in schools and they're talking about, um, uh, yeah, just about, you know, anti-bullying in schools and how promoting, well, not promoting homosexuality, but just saying it's okay to be gay. Um, so, you know, it's, you know, we're doing the right things, but just more needs to happen. And that's kind of um, where we're at here. Um, so it's really about, the next step is changing hearts and minds, I think. Yeah. Um, okay. so and, what... and also how, and also working with the Commonwealth countries where it is still illegal to be gay. So I don't know if you know much about the Commonwealth, but um, it's kind of the, the remains of what was the British Empire. So, you know, we went all over the world and conquered all these countries and put all these draconian laws in place where, you know, it was illegal to, to be gay. Um, and now they've still got these laws in place. And, you know, we're, we're part of this Commonwealth um, family apparently but in certain countries um, you know you can be put to death for being gay um, or you can be put in prison for being gay and these are part of um, the commonwealth and that's something that I think we need to to change as well so we need to um, try and drive that yeah okay and so I usually like to end on a positive note so what is something that makes you hopeful or happy about the future for LGBT people um, what really makes me hopeful and hopeful happy and hopeful is that people can come out earlier now. You know, I, I've been part of the Gay Men's Chorus. I, it, it's a community of people from all ages. So there's guys, maybe late teens, early 20s, all the way up to, oh my goodness, I think one of our, oh, he'll kill me. Um, but I think he might be almost 90 years old. Oh, that wow. might be bad, okay. actually. Maybe, maybe, maybe he's not as old as that. I'm, <laughs> I might get myself into a lot of trouble. Yeah, you're um, going to get some you evil know, glares have... when you get back to the course. <laughs> I really, really will. But, um, you know, I've been on holiday with a guy who was, you know, 78. You know, um, you went skiing together, you know. And so we've got this great community. But what I do realize is that, you know, we've got this great community where the people at the younger end of the scale, 
you know, yes, they face challenges. It's still hard to be gay, but, you know, they, they come out so easily at school sometimes. I mean, I, I don't get me wrong. I know it's not the same for everybody, but there's just this feeling that they can come out now and they can be who they are uh, at a much earlier stage. Um, and I think that is so positive. And I think once we start doing that and once people see that the world won't end because of this, I think that can only spread further. And um, hopefully the rainbow of our community will spread all over Europe and around the world, which Gosh, I'm really Steve, excited about. You're just such a positive guy, man. Like I can't, I, I couldn't so. get, I could get hardly any negative uh uh, any anything negative about you you know you like oh no even when i got you know assaulted it wasn't a big deal you're just such a positive guy it's so good to oh, have something like that on the show i know you. it's just i appreciate your positivity and your and Not you all. have such a positive outlook so uh i wish you the best of luck um, oh thank you so much and thank you here, for your time today i really appreciate yeah. it well here's the here's the part of the show we're gonna have to wrap up so go ahead and um if you want people who are listening to have the opportunity to contact you maybe on twitter or sure. via email or um plug your vote again for mr gay uh europe so uh here's your chance to share your your um your the ways you can be contacted or how people can vote for you great okay well first of all i do have a website um which i've just recently launched for the mr gay europe competition but i think i'll keep that up there longer um so that's www.stephenwhite.com um that's stephen with a v and white with a y just to make it difficult um so hopefully you'll put it on the <laughs> podcast page yeah um, so um there's show notes and and when i do the blog yeah. post I'll, I'll put it on there for him Perfect. Um, you can also contact me at um, facebook.com forward slash Stephen White, again, with a V and a Y. Um, uh, and then my Instagram, if you want to follow me on Instagram, is uh, at, oh, let me think, Mr. Gay Scotland underscore Stephen White. And then my Twitter handle, you can get me at Mr. Stephen White or at Mr. Gay Scotland. Um, so there's a few there you can get in, t in contact with me if you need so you can, through the website there's a contact button as well which will drop me okay. an email as well okay and so, how yeah can lots of ways to get in touch how can people oh, yeah. vote for you again voting for me again go to www.mrgayeurope.com forward slash vote uh, and then you scroll down you find um scotland um there's me in the, looking very moody up unbuttoning my shirt um <laughs> <laughs> so uh you just click vote uh, and and that's a way and you can also check out my video it's on there too but you can also vote if you go to my website um you, i've put a big button at the top of it so you can just click through and that will take you to the voting page and you can vote there every day until the 4th of august <clears throat> okay excuse me so all the straight up gay podcast listeners out there please i'm sure all of the other guys running for Mr. Gay Europe are very nice guys. I'm, I'm sure really there's no are. reason not to vote <laughs> for them either. But since Stephen is a friend of the show and we want to support him and, and he's just been so positive and, and so enjoyable to have on the show. So great to talk to you. Let's go out there and vote for him as Mr. Gay Europe. Thanks very much. Thanks again for having me. Yeah, you're very welcome. Uh, I just want to thank all you guys out there listen, for listening to the Straight Up Gay podcast. Anyone who's listening, make sure you share the show if you enjoy it. Uh, you know, just share it with one other person once in a while, and, and maybe we can get, uh, you know, start to build a real audience. But, uh, you know, I think as we spread the show around, you know, the, that was kind of the idea of the show is for me to be the straight host and kind of be a bridge into the straight world by having gay guests on the show or LGBT guests on the show. And so uh, I think by sharing the show and getting it out to more people, we can make the world a better place. Um, please consider donating to any LGBT organizations um, out there that help uh, LGBT people. I just recently had a, a situation where I live um, 
this young man, he wasn't kicked out for being gay, but he was being forced when he turned 18 to leave home for other reasons, but he just happened to be gay. And so we tried to hook him up with an organization here in Atlanta. Um, and so I definitely uh, support your local LGBT organizations for those kids who, or those youth who find themselves kicked out of their homes for being gay. We definitely need to help out um, the most vulnerable among us. Um, today, I specifically want to mention the Trevor Project. That's kind of one of my favorites. Um, that it's they have a, an emergency lifeline, you know, for people who are considering suicide. You know, the Trevor Hotline is a good place to go if you're if you're contemplating suicide as a LGBT youth. Um, Remember, you can always email me at major at straightupgaypodcast.com. You can follow me on Twitter at SUG Podcast. Uh, Facebook is facebook.com slash straightupgaypodcast. And if you go to my homepage, my webpage, www.straightupgaypodcast.com, you'll find all of my social media links, and all of the past shows, uh, links to Pinecast or links to iTunes where you can listen to the show or links to Google Play, wherever it's most convenient for you to listen. Um, so if you like the show and you want to tell me I did a good job, go ahead and reach out and contact me. And if, uh, if you think I did a bad job, please reach out and contact me and be respectful and tell me what I did wrong or what needs to be corrected and I will happily listen to you. Um, and as usual, the show normally goes up on Pinecast, but I also l load the latest um, previous two episodes on SoundCloud, so you can still listen on SoundCloud. But uh, Stephen, thanks for being here. It was wonderful talking to you. I had a great time, and an hour just flew by. I wish we had more time, but uh, unfortunately, we are out of time today. Great. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, it's been great. Thank you. And uh, I will see everyone on episode 26. John Stuart Mill, 19th century philosopher, once said, Let not anyone pacify his conscience by the delusion that he can do no harm if he takes no part and forms no opinion. Bad men need nothing more to compass their ends than that good men should look on and do nothing. Talk to people, engage them, listen to them, and do this particularly to people who disagree with you. Hone your skills for the Socratic method, for it is the best chance at changing people's minds. Encourage like-minded people to vote. Vote in local, state, and federal elections. Run for office if you can. Organize peacefully, resist, assemble, and protest. Keep being the outspoken voice of reason. Because if we do not, that is all that is needed for people to do evil in this world. Hi, Mom. I'm really scared right now, but I have to. At age 13, my mother knew I wasn't straight. She didn't understand, but she had so much to say. She sat me on the couch, looked me straight in my face and said, you'll burn in hell or probably die of AIDS. It's funny now, but at 13, it was pain to be almost sure of who you are and have it ripped away. And I'm sorry if it's too real for some of you to fathom, but hate for who you love is not exactly what you'd imagine. Uh, and I guess it was disastrous, cause everything that happened afterwards was just madness. Locked away for two years to keep me on the inside, because she'd rather see a part of me die than me thrive. And it's tougher when it's something you can't deny And ignorance teaches us it's something that you decide You're driven by your choices, an optical illusion Here's to understanding that it's not always confusion And I can't change 
halls in my school And I've seen kids hide behind walls and footballs and things like pride I've seen innocent children suffer beneath bruises Suffer beneath every single hand that chooses Ignorance, fuck your religion, fuck constitutions, fuck superstitions There are no lakes of fire, we're here on earth And the only thing to do is put love first And so I stand for the boy who died by his hand To the sound of his father screaming, woman loves man This is Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve And I stand for the girl with the cuts up her sleeve And a heart in her hand and that chip on her shoulder And I stand for it all until ignorance is over This is for you, for knowing who you are For never letting your magic outside of your heart Be you, be brave And understand that things do change I accept you for you when I don't understand And I love you for you, cause this is who I am didn't understand now love me for me this is who I am Just don't get it. Love is love. There is no difference. Not a medication to fix it. There is no prescription. No rehab to visit. It is not an addiction. It's love. And it's selfless. It's yours and everybody else's. So don't badger and abuse the solemnly defenseless. See us as yourself. There's no equality and difference. Until we all get it, we'll be drowning in the same blood. This white orientation, we all feel the same love. Drowning in the same blood, despite orientation, we all feel the same love. and labeled before we're ever able to speak who we believe we are or who we dream will become like drum beats forever changing their rhythm I am living today as someone I had not yet become yesterday and tonight I'll only borrow pieces of who I am today to carry with me to tomorrow no I'm not gay no I'm not straight and I sure as hell I'm not bisexual damn it I am whoever I am when I am it loving whoever you are when the stars shine and whoever you'll be when the sun rises so here's to being able Here's to love, here's to loving just because, here's to acceptance, here's to never fearing the fear of rejection, here's to love and never neglecting who it is you feel you are, here's to bullies because beatings cannot last forever, here's to the moment that you realize things do get better, here's to the parents who will get it when it's too late, here's to second chances, here's to new fate. Here's to every single moment you've ever had to hide you. Here's to the single star shining bright inside you, asking you to guide you. Here's to who you'll be when you've figured it all out. Here's to momentary doubt. Here's to feeling, because we all feel it the same. Here is to the moment that things will change.
Cause we all feel love, we all feel it the same It's love, it's a change